This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, this is Coco, and you're listening to Conversations with Coco and Friends. We're sitting down with one of my besties who has gone through it this year, guys. If he could be our Canadian poster boy for race relations in 2020. You may know him as Mr. One Love Tio, or if you're an OG T-Rex with lots of X's. Damn, those were the days. <laughs> you know, you're now the lead host on eTalk, a producer and a father of two beautiful ladies. I want to start this episode off with one of the biggest memories that stuck with me over this year. I'll seriously never forget the morning you sent me that text frantically asking me to jump onto the social to tune in. I was at UPS with Jimmy and we're finishing shipping something to his family. I found a way to stream it on my phone and 30 seconds in, I lost it. I began to bawl my eyes out when you shared your story of the trauma you've experienced being a black man in North America. You delivered a line that would go on to become a viral sensation. My trauma is not your trend. Since then, a lot has happened. You were able to create the space, not only for black men, but for everyone to have an open conversation about not only race, but the traumatic effects that systemic racism has on actual living beings. With all of this, do you think things will ever really change? Hmm. I am optimistic because I think that there's a potential. I think that there's an opportunity for real change. And even if you think about how you worded that question, you said actual living beings. And I, and I guess my optimism sort of lies within this hope of someday sooner, hopefully sooner than later, there's some student who is in history class, learning about the real history, not the manipulated and strategic history that lives in our books currently. But that person will be able to see a turning point, a breaking point, a revelation, uh, an awakening where globally, because history is not just Canadian history, it's not just American history. It's it's world history, you know, it's it's a lot of these things that we all are victim to or guilty of are true anywhere you go. You can't it's not like I can move to Boston and everything is all good. I can't even move to Zimbabwe and it be all good. That's something I learned 
years ago when I first went to the continent and faced racism within the first couple minutes of landing in South Africa. And I thought to myself, oh shit. <laughs> all these years of people being like, go back to Africa and all these other things. And then I go back to Africa and, still- and I'm still getting the same treatment. I'm like, well, what the hell is this? Where do I belong? You know, so I think it's important to reflect on my journey and a journey that is echoed by black men and uh, minorities around the world, but specifically black because I'm black and that experience is unique in itself. And it comes with its own struggles that are specified, that are targeted to black people. So I think it's important that uh, you know, I've been saying lately, like, I, I'm not BIPOC. I'm black. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, people of color are racist to me, too. Right. So, um, but the question is optimism. Yes. Am I, opt- uh, am, I, am I optimistic? I'm definitely optimistic because I'm definitely, definitely optimistic because what's happened in 2020 is that we've been forced to live at a pace that none of us are used to. It's a much slower pace in which we see more and feel more. And it makes it a lot harder for all of us to just continue on the way we've been going. I'm also optimistic because when I talk to someone like Spike Lee, I spoke to Spike Lee earlier this year, actually on my birthday. And I said to him, I said, yo, OG, tell me something. Like I turned 39 years old today and Is it my age? Is it my ignorance that makes me think that it's different this time around? Because you've been around, you've seen, you've seen something like this before. And he said, I'm going to tell you the truth. I've, I've been around where, where, where there was an opportunity to demand change. I was, I've been around where there was an opportunity for people to do right by the wrongs of their ancestors and their grandparents and whatnot. And they didn't. A lot of people chose profit over people. But he said he felt like this is this is different. And so I take my own personal lived experience, my own faith, and I take the wise words of an OG like Spike Lee, who's dedicated his entire career to telling these stories in creative and artistic ways. And the sum of that is, yeah, there's hope. There's hope because this is an opportunity. And if it's treated as an opportunity, then we can work together to create the type of change, the standard of equality that most of us dream for. Whose responsibility is that? Well, it's everybody's responsibility. It's a, it, the, the beautiful thing about this time that we're living in when we look back at 2020, you say hindsight is 2020. So when we look back at 2020, we're going to realize that, um, <laughs> we're going to realize realizing that, a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. You know, it's like, we're going to realize that it's a collective obligation. And so when you ask whose responsibility is, it's, this is something I said from the jump. Uh, I don't know if I said it in that, in that piece that you referenced when I was on the social. But I said it during the last couple of months at some point where I said, it's, it's our responsibility to demand change in the spaces that we occupy. 
And that's it. We're not asking for uh, a hairdresser to be a heart surgeon. We're not asking for the mailman to become a broadcast journalist. We're asking for each and every person to do what they can do in the spaces that they occupy. So if you're a parent, what are you teaching your children? What are you, if you're a child, what are the things that you're challenging your parents on the old ways of thinking that, that need to be revisited? Because a lot of these things are inherited. They're convenient. They, these systems serve to protect a legacy, wealth, comfort, security. So a lot of people aren't necessarily as compelled as I am for change. They can go back to normal. But as and I've said this before, but I can't I don't want to go back to normal because that no, that normal doesn't serve me. That normal was killing us. That normal is so scary. So the responsibility is is on every individual to find within themselves a love. You have to start with yourself. You have to start with yourself and and do the work. When, and people say do the work. It's like, oh, I'm doing the work, I'm doing the work. Well, what kind of work are you doing? Like, let's not just learn, let's not learn the buzzwords. Let's not learn the the, the terms that are that are going to be safe. And so that if you post them on Instagram, you, you look like you're a part of this. D- doing the work means figuring out what that means for yourself as an individual. The work that I need to do as a man is completely different than the other black guy standing right there because we're individuals. So we all have to figure out how we can become better versions of ourselves. So my commitment and my offering to the world is I will continue to work on myself and be a better version of myself as often as I am able to, to achieve that. So I want to offer a new version of myself more often than Apple is offering a new version of iOS. That, that is the, that's the commitment. That's the, that's the only way there's, there's change. And, and so the responsibility is becoming better people and, and it's based on every individual. The hope is that everyone takes that into their own hands and goes beyond the listening and the learning. But Tyrone, I loved how you used the word opportunity even through all of the trauma. And I think it's important for you to share with our community how you have coped through living through both pandemics currently and over the past nine months, medical and racial, and then you having to be on air at the same time while all of this is going on. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a lot. You know, I mean, I feel like the coping is part of the reason why it's even difficult to answer this question because I'm starting to realize that as much as I've been doing my part, making change in the spaces that I occupy, so I'm I'm on television. So I stepped up when it was needed the most. And I did right by my team, by my show, by my network, by my city, by my country. And, you know, that felt really good. It was hard, but it felt good there's a bit of solace in walking down the street and someone coming up to me and saying, yo, thank you so much. I know we don't know each other, but I cried with you. 
yo, thank you so much. I didn't really know how to start the conversation with my husband or with my children, but I showed them your video. Thank you so much. There were so many thank yous and so many people saying that they cried with me. And the reason why I hate you, that's what, the reason why I hate you, um, Katrina, when, when this happened is because I, wasn't, I just wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if that was what I wanted to put out to the entire country. And, I, it, you know, but I had to, I had to live by what I felt was the best advice that I could give. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone was to live by it too and, and, and to make sure that I was honest and open and unmuted. So I had to say the things that were difficult. I had to say the things that ruffled feathers and I've spent my entire life as a black man in these corporate spaces trying my best not to ruffle feathers. I think that's what was so um sorry to interrupt you, but that's no, what was so poignant to me. Because you are so good at playing the game. Mm-hmm. Like you are so good at making everybody in the room feel comfortable. You're so good at like, for lack of better words, glad handing. You are very good at making people feel comfortable, even when you're at like the great cup and everybody's treating you like crap. You're able to um, work through it and put on the happy face and play, play the role. But the fact like, that's why it was like, I was 10 times, 10,000 times more proud of you because you took the chance in that moment to let all of the artifice go and all of the putting up with stuff to be able to really address something that was so necessary to deal with Mm -hmm. in that moment. Yeah. I I couldn't have been more proud of you. I always say that it was, um, even now, I guess I always refer to it as a, a breakthrough. I just, yeah, you know, like I, 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 I built up, you said it, I know how to play the game. I know I, I had a tough skin. I developed this tough skin in order to put up with the microaggressions and to put up How with the, that? It, it's, it's trash. It's, it's back to what you said in the beginning. You said to actual human beings when you think, and, and that's what my hope is. My hope is that when, when some kid, I don't care who the kid is, I don't care what their religion, what part of the world they live in, the sexual orientation, 
when they look back, I want them to use those words. Like, that's how they treated actual human beings? Like how sometimes the idea of slavery, which still exists today, but the idea of slavery in North America, it almost seems mythical. We're so far removed from it that it, it doesn't, it almost doesn't even seem like real. Like when could that have happened? What? You know, Kanye West went on, went on TV and said they stayed by choice or some nonsense, you know, because at the end of the day, like when you think about why he would say something so ridiculous and so insensitive, because it's like, it's so far removed that, and it's so, it seems so ridiculous that you could treat actual human beings like that. And that's my hope. You know, my hope is that one day, not too long from now, we look back and say, damn, that's crazy how they, they were really doing people. But I'm so glad we don't live like that anymore. What's kind of crazy about that is um, that exact concept you just spoke about. There's a term for it. I don't remember at the, right now because I read about it. But it's the reason like we even today like are not as sensitive about things like blood diamonds or, uh, you know, crazy atrocities that are happening in, you know, Congo and things like that. Because it's easy for us to put it aside when there's degrees of separation between those things and between you. So it's almost as if what we're doing by having these conversations and what you're doing, Tyrone, is keeping that thing so far at the forefront that it's impossible for anybody to turn a blind eye. Like when we're always demanding that change and you're always demanding, like, we pay attention to this thing, it makes it impossible for anybody to turn their eyes or put a blinder on because it's sitting right there in front of you. Well, they're already starting. They're already they're already starting, Cleo, you know, and I agree with you 100 percent. But look around you just this summer alone, a few months after. And I kept I, there's a, there's a lot of things that I a lot of pieces that I wrote. I could have put on Instagram. I was like, eh, I thought I was going to those things that I recorded full production that speak to that. And I kept track. Because remember, everybody posted those squares on June 2nd. Everybody posted a black square and everybody, I see you, I hear you, I whatever, whatever, whatever. And then by July 2nd, that energy wasn't the same. By August 2nd, people were more interested in saving their summer than saving our lives. People were more concerned with getting to the cottage and not having to have these tricky conversations these awkward conversations, these necessary conversations. And so, yeah, you're right. Like we have to continue to talk, but it, it makes me think, you know, Cleo, when you said that, it makes me think of this conversation I had. It was a conversation I had with an older gentleman and uh, he was like, yo, you know, we're gonna have to put the cell phone, like an actual cell phone in the, in the history of, like in the Black History Museum, because without showing these people, without like, undeniable, unignorable proof, they're not hearing us. And that could have only come during a pandemic. I don't know that anybody could put anything more perfectly than that. I feel like obviously we've talked a lot about the traumas that you've been forced to endure as a result, direct result of racism while working. So I know those things have obviously not stopped you because you're on a meteoric rise. So shout out to you, Snap Snap. But I guess the real question is, how do you handle those situations where people are saying like covertly or overtly problematic and racist things to you? Like, I know you mentioned that you have a thick skin, but you've gone through this a, a number of times in your life. So what do you do? Mm. Well, 
as of May 28th or whatever day that was when I when when I was on the social and I decided to unmute myself. It's um again, it's like that commitment that I spoke about, that commitment to myself to remain unmuted, to call people on their shit. You know, like you can call somebody out without being disrespectful or, you know, sometimes it's just about putting a mirror to someone. And that's like probably the most beneficial thing that we could do for, for, for each other, even us as friends, right? Like we're all friends, but like sometimes when we put a mirror up to each other, we realize, okay, okay. All right. Let me pull my socks up. Let me, let me put some energy into this. Let me, let me jump back on the horse type deal. So in, in recent, like since then till now, I've, you know, I've dealt with certain things and I, I'll say, Hey, what what are you thinking? Like, what are you thinking? Like, you know, let me, let me, let me, let me break down to you why that, that doesn't feel right on the receiving end. Let me explain to you exactly what you're saying when you say this. Um, Or let's have a conversation about what you said in that zoom meeting earlier. You know, sometimes you gotta, sometimes you also gotta choose how you approach these things, you know? So sometimes it's, better in private and sometimes it's not sometimes you need to be called out but the one thing is clear is that and i don't know if everybody understood this is that when i said i was unmuted that day i I didn't mean just that day so that's been somewhat of a a reality check and uh yeah 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 because it was like oh no you oh like oh uh, you still got that same energy huh tyrone shit okay all right you know it's like oh geez yeah uh, it is what it is. Like, you know, um, I can't, I can't go back to that normal. Well, what are I, we going to tell our kids it, when they look back? Right. You had the opportunity to do something. You didn't do nothing. You didn't say anything. Why? Just because you wanted to keep your job. They didn't even respect you. Why then? For the money? No. So on that note, what advice would you give someone who's dealing with workplace racism? Because it, it does seem, it seems um, a little bit simple to, to, to just be, you know, stand up and always be the one that's fighting. I think that, that a lot of people, the scarcity of jobs out there and the, the responsibility of having to feed your family. Like, yes, we, we all want to be activists in our own right, but there's a lot of things that come with that. So what, would, what advice would you give someone who's dealing with that? Again, I think it's about it's about sharing and understanding. It's about putting a mirror to someone. It's about um, if you want if you're upset by something that someone did and you feel like they haven't been compassionate, well, then you can't just fire off on them and not be compassionate as well. You can only accept what you're willing to offer. So the advice for any situation is to, I mean, look, I said at the beginning, we're not asking you to be something that you're not. So if you're not an activist, you don't have to put on an activist jacket. But what you have to do is be willing to have these awkward conversations. They're not, a lot of them don't require um, a full-on fight. A lot of them don't require protesting and marching and, and, and wearing black leather gloves. It's not all about that. But what it is is, is understanding someone said something 
I'm in a position that is a junior position. It's an entry level position. I'm not willing to put my job on, on the line for this. I'm not telling you that you have to fight every single battle, but you do have to speak up. You do have to, um, at least give it a shot. Nothing tried, nothing done. That's something my mom told me when I, when I was young and I didn't really get it, but nothing tried, nothing done. So advocate for yourself, people being quiet, like completely quiet. Sure. Sometimes you just like, yo, you know what? <laughs> like, sure. I can't even bother. Those are okay too. Those are okay too. Just make sure that you're doing something. I think even from talking to you so much is knowing that there's, there has to be fatigue out there with having to be the one who's always advocating for not only yourself, but everybody else, you know, talking to Kayla and she's I'm tired you know I'm tired for holding the torch so it's nice to feel like you're supported and that there's other people out there doing it for you yeah 100% I can't I can't I don't I can't I can't get involved in every little thing that happens on Twitter I can't get involved in every march or every protest that happens you can at the end of the day if you audit my life you're gonna see that I made a contribution. It's like, just like any other cause, people raise money in different ways. People create awareness in different ways. People have conversations that lead to change. There's so many different things. And we see that happening, even like with, with, with eTalk. We talked about me having to step up and be the voice and all that throughout all both pandemics. But look at ETOC. We just changed our mandate. We are talking about social issues now. We are, we, I am so proud of that. That's not by happenstance. That is, that is a direct result of us, me, speaking up and speaking out and always being rooted in love in a way that it was easy to receive and very hard to ignore. So, yeah, I don't remember what the question was, but yeah. It's just a general chat. Um, so I have a reasonably loaded question. Um, how do you battle tokenism in all of this? Hmm. You know, sometimes you got to be the token. Real talk, I think. I mean, like, <laughs> when you say tokenism, like... Like, like, like so you, token you spoke about guy? e-talk... Yeah. yeah, like you spoke about eTalk making these meaningful changes, but like what about someone in a situation where they're in a situation where the company is, you know, like we're going to make meaningful change and then they don't do any, like, or they, they put you on just for the sake of putting you on. They let one person in to shut the door almost. Like that's the concept that comes with tokenism. Yeah. Or they, or they like, they give someone a promotion, but don't give them a raise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So, I mean, look, I <laughs> I literally just fought that battle for a long time and I just wasn't about to accept that. And I also believe me and Kathleen, I don't know if you, Kathleen Newman, she is sort of like one of my other phone calls other than you, Coco. <laughs> um, and the one thing that her and I 
committed to together was that we are going to disrupt what needs to be disrupted, protect what needs to be maintained, and leave. And when we leave these spaces, so I'm the co-anchor of ETOC, the first black man as a co-anchor of ETOC, the first black man as a co-anchor of any nationwide entertainment show, I'm going to leave this space to be more welcoming and cater to people of my likeness, people of my experience. Um, I've already been a instrumental part in changing the mandate in terms of what we talk about and who we talk to for those things. When we do hair segments, it's not just a certain type of hair. When we talk about systemic racism, we don't just use it because it's a buzzword. We break it down. What is, what is systemic racism? Well, a lot of people, a lot of my white friends, when they hear systemic racism, they're just like, oh, God, systemic racism sounds so dramatic. Like, what the heck? But we break it down. You say, look, I've been working in the building for 10 years. 10 years. In January of 2011, I've, I've been in that building for 10 years. Forget just my building. Any set that I've been on, any production that I've been a part of, has never had someone who can do my hair. So then you, you go back a little, you dig a little deeper. Well, this is a person that has all these hairstylists go to get whatever formal training that they get, certificates that they get to, to license them to work in Ontario, to work in New York, to work in LA. It's the same everywhere. And they can get that license and get that accreditation without having to learn how to do my hair. That's a system that is racist. So that is systemic racism. So sometimes when we hear these words, they become tiring, they sound overwhelming. But when you break it down and you share your experiences with people, you say, oh shoot. I tell them, well look, half of the time I lie. Did you go to makeup? Yes. (laughs) Make you great. I didn't go to no damn makeup. You know why I didn't go to makeup? Because when I come out, the, I'm going to walk into the makeup room brown and I'm going to come out orange or a weird shade of gray. So you think about why does that happen? Okay, well, person is a celebrity makeup artist, charges a huge amount of money per hour. Now, I'm not mad at you, shorty. You earned it. You've worked on these amazing sets and with these talents and garnered these relationships with these big names who've gone on to do great things. And so therefore you are who you are and you, you know, you've created a, a name for yourself, but your training did not include my skin tone. So if I'm guest appearing on a show, I have to worry that that show and those camera operators and those lighting guys may not know how to light my complexion. I'm not talking about nothing in theory. I'm telling you guys my real experiences. At the Emmys this year, I had to cover the Emmys virtually. Um, what's that comedian's name? Anthony Anderson, I think. He's so funny. He said, well, considering everything that's happened with the, the uprising of this Black Lives Matter movement, the Emmys have nominated more Black people this year than they ever have. And this was going to be great because the Emmys was going to be black this year. And then he goes, 
But due to the pandemic, we all had to stay home because of safety reasons. But oh, all good. You wouldn't have known how to light us anyways. <laughs> now, that joke might have hit you one way, Coco. You might have giggled. Pilar, you might have giggled. Cleo, you might have giggled. But I'll tell you this, what I realized. In that very moment, stars like Anthony Anderson and everybody else of my complexion, that put us, no matter what level of celebrity you are, that all put us in the same damn group. That put us in the same corner of the room that doesn't get the same acknowledgement, that doesn't get the same regard, that doesn't get the same treatment as our white counterparts. Because when he said, you wouldn't have been able to light us anyways, I said, holy shoot, wait a minute, this isn't, I'm not on a lonely island, this isn't just me? It's not just because I'm, I work in the Canadian market? A Hollywood star, a successful Hollywood star, a multimillionaire with accolades to his name that you wouldn't even bother reading through? That's what came to mind for him? So yeah. It's important that I, I use this seat as the co-anchor to talk about more than just Miley Cyrus and Taylor Swift. We're going to talk about them, but we're also going to talk about climate change. We're also going to talk about the LGBTQ plus communities and their struggles. We're going to talk about the trans community. We're going we're to talk about the things that are meaningful because those worlds aren't separate anymore 2020 made that very clear yeah and grateful to you can say what you want about social media but this revolution this uprising mm -hmm. this revolution for sure is a direct result of our connectivity on social media yeah. it used to be that um politicians were the only ones that could talk about politics right like you could never mm -hmm. be a celebrity who could be advocating for trans lives you know no and, and no, now now the the followings are getting mad if a celebrity hasn't advocated or put out who they're voting for. I remember when mm -hmm. I was a kid, my parents would be like, you never ask someone who they're voting for. That's so rude. It's like asking someone how much they made in a year. And now it's mm -hmm. like, you better put a, a Instagram post about Biden or, you know, you're not for the cause. You're not for the culture. And I love mm -hmm. that. I love the openness because it, it takes out of the closet um, all of the ideas that you could be like, I love black people. And then in the background, you're going to KKK meetings. <laughs> yeah, know? 100%. I mean, that goes back to what, what, what Cleo was saying, right? Like, so in terms of the tokenism, but um, in terms of like things being performative. So mm -hmm. sure, I might be the black guy, but as long as whatever I'm doing is not performative, and I'm not a part of that. And I'm not, and I'm not satisfied just because I have a new salary and a more glamorous position. If I am unsettled past that point, then I'm still doing what I'm supposed to be doing. If I'm still making demands behind the scenes, if I'm still saying what I need to say on, on camera, and I'm still putting in the work on myself, then the tokenism, it, it, it just doesn't, hold the same weight anymore let me yeah you want me to you want me to interview the black people i'm gonna interview the black people but guess what when chris hemsworth pulls up i'm gonna talk to him too exactly 100 percent. 
Yes, I am. And we're, and we're not going to shy away from anything. I'm going to talk to country artists about Black Lives Matter movement, and I've already done it. That's amazing. No, no I'm unmuted. And we like it. Coz, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Conversations with Coco and Friends. You can find Tyrone at Mr. One Love To You to keep up with his day-to-day. And you can follow along with us at Coco and Co. That's C-O-W-E on the gram. Thanks for listening. And thank you for joining us, Tyrone. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.